Hello and welcome to Freelance Party Broadcast, the podcast brought to you by Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers. I'm Faye and this is Jess. Hiya. Today we're joined by Matthew Knight from the mental health organisation Leapers, who's here to talk to us about how freelancers can look after their mental health. Hello. (laughs) So is there much data on how many freelancers are actually suffering with mental health conditions at the moment? Oh, there's a lot in that question. Um, (laughs) So the first thing I'd I'd challenge is mental health condition. And what we do as an organisation, as a community, is not really focus on any particular mental health conditions, but look at mental health as a spectrum. So just in the same way that everyone has physical health, some people are more healthy than others. I'm on the less healthy end. Um, everybody has mental health. So we all have up days and down days and in the middle days. And self-employment has a set of unique, specific challenges that can really make it harder to have more good days at times and make it easier to have bad days at times. So we look at the broad spectrum of mental health, particularly around stress And that's where we focus. Mental health conditions, slightly different. So if somebody's been diagnosed with a particular mental health condition, say obsessive compulsive disorder or bipolar, they have a different set of challenges. And quite often they have some sort of professional support in place already. So maybe they're working with a therapist or a GP. But the reason why Leapers exists fundamentally is employers woke up to looking after their people a a couple of years ago and realising how important mental health and well-being is. But we don't have an employer to look after us, right? We're self-employed. That means we are that employer. We're the ones who have to take that responsibility for ourselves. Mm. And the reality is a vast majority of self-employed or freelancers or people who are even running small businesses as well are not actively thinking about maintaining their mental health. So what kind of things does Leapers do for freelancers then? Fundamentally, we're a community, right? So if nothing else, it's that there's a bunch of people who get it. Yeah. And, you, and you can just log on and say, hey, how are you doing? And it, it, I talk about it in terms of the team that you used to have maybe when you were in a job that you just have a cup of tea with and you'd rant about your boss who you don't like or he's like, oh, what's going on here? Or talk about what was happening on TV last night, you don't get that so frequently if you're working for yourself. So we're kind of the team for people that don't have a team. That's a predominantly online community. And it acts as a support group. So if you're having a really rough day, you can just jump on and go, oh God, this client is being really hard work, or they've asked me this question, I'm not really sure what that means, or I'm feeling, I don't feel good enough to do this job, or... So it's somewhere that you can turn and have those conversations, and the people get it, right? It's it's the classic problem that a lot of freelancers have, is they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm really busy at the moment, and their mate might just go, well, why don't you take time off? Like, you can take time off anytime you want. Which is like, oh, it's, it's not a useful response. <laughs> yeah. um, so everybody in Leapers gets it because they've been there. Maybe they're, they're new to self-employment. Maybe they've been doing it for years. And it's about sharing wisdom and experience. And it's just a bit like an internet hug. So when people <laughs> are feeling down, everyone piles on, do you want a cup of tea? Should we, you know, do you want to give me a call? Should we go for a coffee or something? So it's a very supportive group. And then we take the insights from those conversations. So stuff that comes up on a regular basis, we'll say, oh, is there a resource somewhere which is really useful that we can signpost people to? Yeah. Mm. So how much do I charge? It's a really common question in any freelance community. And there's a brilliant resource that WorkNotes have just published on a pricing guide. So we'll say, we don't have the answers, but go over here. It's a brilliant resource. Yeah. However, lots of the conversations that we're having, there isn't a resource. 
there isn't an answer because a lot of these things are new challenges. We haven't been talking about mental health and self-employment for a long time. So we create some of those resources. We look at what is the most useful things which we can do for our community to help them answer some of those questions. So that might be an ebook. We published something in the summer last year, which is just 15 really simple tips to look after yourself when you're self-employment. It might be a podcast. So we're having conversations with our members about what their experiences are, not giving any answers, just saying, oh, okay, somebody else has been through this and they're feeling the same way as me or dealt with it in an interesting way. And to your first question about data, we do research because there isn't a huge amount of data on on self-employment and mental health. Um, There have been a number of studies in the last couple of years which have been run by commercial organisations. So Viking, the stationery company, Epson, the printer company, Oldermore, a mortgage company. Um, And whilst it's a really great insight into what those groups of people are, it's for a purpose. You know, they're trying to sell something, a printer or a piece of paper or something. So we felt that it was an important thing to do impartially without any kind of commercial interest. So we do research to understand what people's needs are. Uh, We spoke to about 500 freelancers last year to see how they feel. Uh, You know, what are the stresses? What are the problems they're facing? Mm. And then take those insights to do something (laughs) about it. That's so interesting. I really liked what you said earlier about you are like the group of people to turn to when you don't have colleagues in the workplace. I wonder what you think the significance is of just having someone to talk to. Because if you have a bad day in work, like if either of us have a bad day at work, we can just rant to each other and go Mm, for lunch and just get that all of that chest. Yeah. 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 How important do you think that is for people? Hugely. Absolutely huge. I mean, I think the biggest challenge if you don't have that support network around you or people around you that you can have those conversations with is it gets in your head and it just goes round. And a lot of the time these, what I call like negative automatic thoughts just build up and build up and build up. And just the simple act of saying it out loud sometimes makes you go, now I've said that, now I can hear myself saying that, that's a bit daft. It sounds silly. Or it's not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. So Mm. just the simple act of saying it out loud or or writing it down or typing it is is really powerful. The second thing as well is that it helps you um, reflect upon your progress. So by having a conversation with somebody on the Monday and then five, six days later having another conversation with about it going, oh, you know, (coughs) How are, how are things now? Did they improve? Have you, have you moved mm. on? You go, yeah, I'm thinking differently about it now. I've, I've put these things in place. And those conversations out in the open in a community um, mean that other people who might be struggling with the same challenge kind of go, oh, actually, that's really helpful for me. They might not have put their hand up and said, I feel like this, mm. but they're learning from that in the open. So we try and encourage that open conversation as much as possible. If you have a, a mental health condition and you know, or you're going through like a, an episode of like bad mental health, really poor mental health. How can you manage your client's expectations about that? And how do you kind of start that conversation? It's, it's a great question. It's one of the most common questions we ask on the, our podcast, um, because we try and have a mix of guests that are at the start of their journey, are quite mature in terms of how long they've been self-employed, or that might be struggling with different mental health conditions. And I always say, you know, do you have an open conversation with your clients about it? Because if this is something that is going to have a direct impact on your ability to work, how do you deal with that? 
The responses are really varied. I think generally the first response would always be, it depends. Mm. So if they feel that the client's really supportive and they're going to be okay with it, then they're more likely to have that conversation. A lot of people simply say, no, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm, it's, it's not a professional challenge, so I don't feel it, it's relevant or it's I'm sharing too much information and I don't know whether I can really open up in that way. And the other thing is anxiety around that. Actually, if you have this conversation, you're worried about what the client might say or do and, and, and say, oh, well, actually, we'll find another guy. We'll, we'll go somewhere mm. else. You're too much of a risk. Regardless of how the client is going to respond, that anxiety builds up. So it starts to kind of double up on itself. Um, so it's a really, it's a really challenging challenge. We always try and encourage people to talk about it with their clients if they feel comfortable doing it. But if it isn't about a specific condition they want to talk about, if what are the things which they need in place to help them work better? Mm. So they might not say, oh, I, I struggle with this, therefore I'm not going to be around, I'm going to be really flaky. You wouldn't position it as that. But you might say, I can only work between these hours. Or you might say, I need to work in a particular way. Or you, it's, it's about what are the ways in which we can work together really well regardless of the reasons. How do you feel about when you know that you're going to have a, a period of like bad mental health or whatever, or um, you're just going through a tough time, just saying, if you don't feel comfortable saying to a client, oh, I'm, you know, I'm suffering from um, like a bad period of mental health, just saying that you're unwell, just feeling a, like run down, need some time out. Should we always make the distinction between if we're physically unwell or mentally unwell at that time? As you know, sick days are a problem generally, right? I mean, do they exist uh, when you're self-employed? I, I think it's incredibly hard if you are feeling unwell and you're unable to work and there's no shortage of stories of people pushing themselves to the limit, go, I'm going to go in anyway, I'm going to do the work, I'm feeling dreadful. We always try and encourage people to take rest and, and, and not to get to the point where actually it is getting so bad that they have to take time off. So making sure they are taking holidays, making sure they're putting boundaries in place that they're not working ridiculously long hours. So hopefully you don't get to that situation where it's a crunch point and you have mm. to take a sick day. That's the biggest concern is that if you are taking a sick day, then you're, you're putting that project at risk. Um, you might not have somebody that you can sub in off a bench. Um, so it, it creates more anxiety, the, the worry of being unwell. If it happens, it happens. And I think you know, it's, it's something which a lot of freelancers certainly don't ever really want to tackle and think about it. Well, what does happen if I do have a sick day? And we certainly try and encourage people to create little groups of other freelancers that can go, hey, you know, do you, actually, if I ever can't work for whatever reason, do you want to buddy up so we can step in? We've got similar skills. Um, that I know that I've got a safety net, which is incredibly important for things like IR35 to demonstrate that you can actually replace yourself on a project anyway. So the more people who are thinking about what their backup network is and their support network, the better. I found it really interesting as well what you said earlier when, when we were talking about if you should speak to the client and things mm. like that. Mainly because, I, so I suffer from anxiety myself. So like if I was freelance and I wanted to speak to the client... Me personally, I mean, at times you have to just hold your hands up and say, Do you know what, I am feeling like I'm having a bit of a moment and I need to tell you. But there are also times where you're giving up your vulnerability, like to just say like, I'm anxious, this is it. But then I feel like sometimes if you admit it, 
then you're more inclined to have an episode because you're like, mm. they know, I, I, I don't have to stop myself from this. Yes, absolutely. And so there is no single solution. Uh, that it, It's very much about understanding what your triggers are, what your stresses are, mm. and creating something that builds resilience for you individually. One of the things which I try and encourage anybody to do, regardless of whether they've had any mental health condition or poor mental health, mm. is to journal. So at the end of every day, just take five minutes, get a notebook out, keep one notebook that you do this for every day and mm. just say, well, what are the handful of things that happened today? What, what things annoyed me? What things frustrated me? What things did I love? What things surprised me? So just how you felt through the day and keep doing that every day. And then at the end of the week, have a look back on it and spend just half an hour going, oh, that's interesting. I get stressed every time this happens yeah. or I get really excited every time this happens. Do that over a week, over a month, and you'll start to see patterns and, and build up a bit of a profile of what causes you anxiety or stress. And then once you've got that awareness, then you can start designing around it and not putting yourself into those situations where that anxiety is going to flare up. So if communicating your anxiety is something that's going to make it flare up, you're like, well, what's the way that I can communicate how I work rather than mm. being vulnerable in front of that individual? But the real problem is we know the numbers about mental health challenges at large. So one in four people will struggle with mental health at some point in the year, one in three in their lifetimes. I'm really interested in the three out of four who yeah. haven't, right? Yeah, I feel like everyone does at some point. Yeah, and if you don't know what to look out for, if you don't know what things stress you out, if you don't know what are the influences on how you feel you're not going to be looking out for them. You're not going to necessarily pick up those things. You're not even going to know in yourself when you are slipping into poor mental health because if you mm. haven't ever had an episode before, how would you know? Mm. So the, a big part of this is just talking about it and saying, actually, everyone has mental health. That doesn't mean you have a condition. It just means that you're up and down. We are all human and fallible. Mm. Um, so that you you keep an eye out for it and, and you keep track of it. Then if you think that you're going to have problems or if there are issues that you want to tackle, then you can start thinking about what to do about it. But first step is just actively thinking about your own mental health. So if there's someone who's a freelancer and they're kind of just starting out and they've never had to think about loneliness before because mm. they've always had people to talk to. Yeah. What is the, the first step to kind of combat loneliness? I want to pick up on this point because there seems to be two narratives about freelancing, which I think are both false. First of all, is like this whole kind of, you know, four hour working weeks and you can take as much time off mm. as you want and infinite pay and holiday. And we all know <laughs> that's nonsense. And the second thing is the only other narrative is loneliness and, oh, freelancing is really lonely and you're working at home all the time and, and it's a big issue. A large number of people who we spoke to aren't worried about working on their own at home. They're not necessarily feeling that because actually it might have been a big part of the reason why they decided to work on their own or work remotely or that they have plenty of stuff going on outside of the work setting. So I'm a single parent. I have two small people running around all the time. I don't have a problem around isolation but I'm not frequently working with people on site I'm also an introvert so I love having time to myself <laughs> yeah. but that said those who do have concerns about feeling isolated the most important thing to do is start creating meaningful connections so a lot of the time people say oh we'll go work in a coffee shop 
join a co-working space. But you can be just as isolated, just as lonely, sitting on your own in a busy room. It's about meaningful connections. It's about how can you create relationships with other people that you feel supported, that you can talk to about something, that you can vent or rant, or that if you need some help, they can join in. You know, you'll have different people in your network that do different things, just in the same way that you do in a friendship group. So it's about finding those meaningful connections. And that can be really hard when you're self-employed because where do you turn to? You haven't got someone in the office that you can start building those friendships with over time. And that's where communities play a massive role. So whether it be online Facebook communities like Freelance Heroes, which is huge and really popular, whether it be a group like Leapers, which is very specifically focused on working well, or whether it's a sector-specific community group. So FJ and Co, for instance, is a, a journalism-focused community. And finding those tribes, finding those people in those tribes that, that get it is probably the first step to tackling loneliness or if you have concerns about it, making sure that you've got those people around you. That's kind of what Freelance Corner is here for. We, you know, we're an online community for all freelancers and say so we're kind of like the one-stop shop. We do a lot about work, finding work, marketing, all that kind of stuff. But we are also here just to have a chat and just to meet other people and yeah. I think those kind of these kind of online platforms are so important for freelancers when if for whatever reason you know there are extroverts that work from home and they can feel really lonely and I know like when I've worked from home before working for Freelance Corner I really struggled with isolation mm. and those feelings of loneliness and I think these online platforms are such a brilliant way for people to just be able to talk in the way that they're comfortable, like talk online, but whereas they might not feel comfortable speaking face-to-face with, with people. What did you do? How did you start to tackle that isolation? I joined a running club. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, there was a running club that was uh, on in the evening. So I thought, well, I can get my work done and then go to the running club. And it was it was like a, a double hit of endorphins because it was the mm. running and the exercise, but also yeah. just speaking to other adults and not, feeling yeah. like I was completely on my own. And yeah. even though all we spoke about was running, it was fine because I lived really far away from my friends at the time. And I think those just little things of just trying to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and find just just force yourself to do something is so, so And useful. it doesn't always have to be professional no. connections. Exactly. It's about building up just an integrated life. This idea of like work-life balance suggests there's two separate things. That's just not true. It's about integrating. It's about how can I live one life? Work is a huge part of that. But friendships play a role. You know, I've most of my friendship circle has come about through work because you spend so much time with those individuals and you build relationships. So I don't necessarily see a distinction between the, the two things. And in the same way that mental health is not all about, you know, yoga and fruit on a Friday. And <laughs> you, the, the, the biggest stressors for people um, that maybe lead to poor mental health are actually external stresses, like their clients ghosting them or a project getting cancelled or irregularity of income or worried about tax. Um, the research which we did last year basically showed there were three buckets, three types of stresses, one being internal. So the thoughts that go around in your head like, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough to do this or I'm, um, I'm worried when I go into that meeting that I'm going to mess it up in some way. Then there's the behavioural bits, which is I'm too busy or I'm not busy enough, the actual way that you work. And, and the third thing is this external piece that actually you don't really have a huge amount of control over. So, so payment terms or non-payment or not getting your day rate set in the right way or people knocking that down. So 
we just try and make sure that actually you need to know what the things are that really kind of worry you. And if isolation is one of those big things, that's one of the internal things, then what are you going to do about it? For me, isolation isn't a problem, but the financial anxiety is a big issue. And I'm just not tackling at the moment. I'm not, I know it's a problem, but I'm not sitting down and giving myself the time to say, look, this keeps you awake at night. What are you going to do about Mm. it? One thing many freelancers report is having imposter syndrome, the feeling that they are pretending to be better than they are. How can freelancers combat that? Imposter syndrome is a really challenging issue for a lot of people. I think it's exacerbated when you're self-employed because of a number of things. First of all, no feedback. How often do you get post-project feedback of how well it went? Usually... The only idea whether it was any good or not is if they ask you back for another project. And that's not always going to be appropriate. So we don't get feedback quite frequently. And if you're not asking for it, then how are you ever going to get objective feedback and somebody telling me, oh, that was amazing. Yeah, that work was brilliant. It it hit all these objectives and targets and Mm. we've won awards and everything. So if you're not getting positive feedback, if you're not creating evidence of how awesome you are and capturing that, then that's going to make it a lot harder for you to go, oh, yeah, I did some great stuff. The other thing is if because freelance work specifically can be very up and down, you know, you might have periods of where you're not working. So that is a big, big stressor actually is how many people feel stressed by feeling unproductive, even if they're working, that they're not doing enough, that it might feel like you're not getting anything done. So if you're not working on a client project, what are all the other things that you're doing? And again, journaling, capturing those things and go, oh, actually, no, I I got my taxes done. I cleared up all my invoices. I did my laundry for the third time today. Um, And all these little wins that actually add up, they don't stick in your mind. If you were to talk to a friend about what you'd done that week, you wouldn't list those things out. But actually, there's a lot of stuff adding up and you are being really productive. So capturing evidence of the stuff that you're achieving and the progress you're making forwards is really important. And the third thing is a lot of the self-employed don't have career development plans, right? Mm. When we're in a job, there's somebody's uh, responsibility to tap you on the shoulder and go, oh, you're going to go on that training course or you're going to go for that promotion. Some companies are better than others, granted. But <laughs> there is, there's this idea of, you know, there's going to be a promotion or you're moving up, you're leveling up in some way. That doesn't really happen when you're self-employed. And the only way you can do that is by putting something in place for yourself, which says, where am I right now? Where do I want to get? And how am I tracking along that? So putting some sort of plan in place for you to progress and seeing, oh, no, I I did that. I did this online course and I graduated from it. I I tried this new project, which I'd never done, and, and I did it. Creating all these little bits of evidence that even if you don't feel that you're good enough, you've got a whole body of work to show that you are. And then if you still feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretending or I'm making up and there's a bigger challenge there if you're ever going to get over that. I don't think certain people are ever going to get over that. And But if they can see the evidence and they can put that in front of the client and they're still winning work as a result of it, then it's not as much of an issue. That's really interesting. I know that's a problem that so many freelancers have. Um, We have some questions sent in from freelancers for you to hopefully answer. Firstly, from Becky, how do I stop the bleed of work? If I work from home, then any time I'm at home, I feel like I should be working. Mm. Are there any tips on how Becky can avoid that kind of bleed of work? Back to the point that how many people feel stressed by not feeling productive. There is often this sense of 
oh, I've got, I've just got to respond to that email straight away, or I've, I've just got to do a little bit more <coughs> because so many of the patterns of, of the normal working day aren't there. You don't have this habit of getting up, going into the workplace, a, a, you know, nine to five or whatever that structure is, and then leaving. You don't have the signals of other people going home. So you're like, oh, it's probably time for me to, to leave as well. So you need to put those in for yourself. It's not suggesting that you need to do a nine to five. It's not suggesting that you need to uh, structure it in the same way, but you need to put some sort of structure in place that works for you. So if that's working eight till three, Monday to Thursday, because that's, that's how you work best or you're working around other things, put that structure in place. And in exactly the same way that if your boss in a job came over and said, oh, we need you to work overtime, we need you to work weekend, you have that same conversation. Hold on, no, my, my working day is here till here and I'm going to close the laptop down. I'm keeping my list of the things that I've done today to, because I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. Oh, I've done 20 things. I've done that one thing that I really needed to do. I've done those two things I really wanted to do. I've, I've, done, I've done a good day's work. I'm going to close down the laptop. The reality is that you always need to be flexible. There's always going to be an email that you want to respond to or need to respond to. But I think treating yourself with respect in the same way that you'd ask anybody else to treat you with respect, treating yourself with respect to say, I deserve an evening to think, to cook, to read, to exercise, to have some downtime. And not only deserve, but I need it. If you're not resting, if you're not feeding yourself well, you're not going to be working the next day as effectively. And it comes back to sick days again. You know, you need to do everything you can to stop that sick day happening when you, it isn't in your control. So you need to rest. So I think boundaries are, are the biggest thing to do. And if you struggle to put boundaries in place, create some evidence to show that you have had a good day's work. So we have another question that's coming as well from a lady called Kat, who asks, how do I deal with the uncertainty of the lifestyle, especially financially? I think a lot of people jump into self-employment without thinking through what it means, what you're stepping away from. Regularity of income is the obvious one. Anybody who's stepping into the lifestyle thinking that they're going to be able to get a salary at the end of every month is, is you know, missing a trick and they haven't read enough articles on this one. <laughs> but I don't think enough people are thinking through what that means and what impact that could have on their mental health. So half of the people who we asked weren't actively thinking about these things before they stepped into self-employment. And I don't think that self-employment is for everybody. If that irregularity of income is going to be a massive stress point and anxiety for you, why on earth would you put yourself in a working model that irregularity of income is, a, is the working style? It's like if you have a fear of heights, why would you become a skyscraper window washer? You just <laughs> wouldn't put yourself into that situation. So... If it is something which is really concerning you, then I think you really have to question whether self-employment in that model is right. That doesn't mean that if you need to work in a different way, perhaps self-employment is really attractive to you because you need more flexibility. You need to be able to work remotely. You have, you're a carer or you have other things which you need to work around. There are plenty of organizations who are employing people in more flexible styles who will allow their team to work from home or remotely. And I think there's a there's this almost binary state that you're either in a job or you're self-employed. And the reality is now there are so many options in between. Mm. Um, a more practical response, though, is get your finances sorted, right? So if in the same way that you should be putting money aside for tax, because you know that's coming at the end of the year, put money aside for when you're not working. 
So is that a percentage of every invoice that you charge? Is that reduce the number of coffees you put and put it in a rainy day tin? But just put a strategy in place that you are putting a savings pot aside so that actually you can smooth out the income over, over longer periods of time. And if you are able, if you've got a bit of surplus that you've made from a big invoice, don't spend it. <laughs> don't take it out and go, hey, I just... <laughs> Give yourself a salary in the best possible ways and have a regular income. Find ways of creating a regular income, even if that work isn't regular as you would hope it would be. Our final question is, how can freelancers deal with criticism? You know, if, especially if you're sensitive to criticism and you, you struggle to take it. Yeah. Do you have any tips? It's a really challenging one. I mean, ironically, a lot of the time we don't get criticism. Often it's just a no so you've pitched for a project and you just don't get selected for it. So it's very easy to take that personally because you're the only person who's pitching for that. Therefore, it must be you that they're saying no to. And nine times out of 10, it's not you. It's just they found another person that was cheaper or closer to them or it was their mate or whatever. There's a whole host of reasons why you didn't get that job that probably aren't anything to do with you. Yet it's very easy to take that as a very personal criticism. And in the same way that, you know, if you're in a job job, you're going to interview for other jobs every three years or so, and you have to deal with that rejection process if you don't get it. When you're self-employed, maybe that's every week, every couple of weeks. So it's happening on a regular basis. But I think trying to just take a step back and say, it's not me that's being challenged here. This is part of the experience. Um, the second point would be around how objective and how subjective is that criticism? right? What is it that they're actually criticizing? Is it the way that you work as an individual? Is it you as a person that they're challenging? Or is it the work? Is it, oh, I, I don't like that color blue, or this needs to be bigger, or it wasn't. <coughs> that is your work that's been challenged rather than you as an individual. And I think it's difficult to separate those two because it is your work and it can be very personal. But again, to step back and through journaling and say, oh God, I had this really bad feedback today. I didn't have really bad feedback my work was criticized and that's a little bit different. So it's about shifting the perception a lot of the time and saying actually what was criticized, what can I learn from it? Is it a one-off criticism that that person was just being difficult or am I getting this criticism again and again and again? And that's something which I need to learn from and, and build upon because it's clearly something which is holding me back or preventing me from doing good work in the eyes of the client. So interesting. That, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for uh, in this episode. Thank you, Matthew, so much for coming on. Thank you. You'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on Freelance Corner. On Freelance Corner, we also have an extended video with wellness coach Michelle Pratt on how to deal with mental health challenges as a freelancer. Thanks for listening to Freelance Party Broadcast. Join Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk. Subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify and most other podcast platforms. Please like, share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you.